Today's Words and Nerds podcast is sponsored by The Accomplice by Steve Kavanagh. If you were married to a serial killer, would you know? Steve Kavanagh's follow-up to the best-selling 13, 50-50 and The Devil's Advocate is his twistiest yet. The Sandman serial killings have been solved. Daniel Miller murdered 14 people before he vanished. His wife Carrie now faces trial as his accomplice. The FBI, the district attorney, the media and everyone in America believe she knew and helped cover up her husband's crimes. The only thing between a life in jail or free Freedom is Eddie Flynn and his team. Steve Kavanagh is the master of the twist and The Accomplice will keep you guessing right to the last page. The Accomplice is released in Australia on the 26th of July. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. From all of us in the writing community, we just think we're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm Uh. feeling sick. Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to another Words and Nerds episode. This time we are at Words on the Waves Writers Festival. I'm sure you can hear some of the wonderful buzz behind us or will do, so excuse the noise today. Right now I'm uh, joined by Diane Connell, author of The Improbable Life of Ricky Bird. Hello, Diane. Hi there. Thank you for having me on your podcast. What a beautiful view we've got today. We're sitting right on the beach looking out towards the waves. Not many surfers out today, but nonetheless, best view I've had in a while. Magnificent. Magnificent winter's day too. No cloud, not a cloud in the sky. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. One of those winter's days that are really nice. Now tell me, what is the improbable life of Ricky Bird about? Give me an elevator pitch. Okay, I'll give you a nutshell. It it has a young young protagonist called Ricky Bird who... um, Okay, I'll describe it in three words. It is funny, sad, hopeful. Mm. That's what the book's about. I love that. Um, Unpack that a bit for me. <laughs> okay. So it's about a young, it, it has a young protagonist, a young uh, main character, Ricky, who has an exceptional talent. Um, she is a great storyteller. Now, Ricky is it's set in London, where I used to live, and she is moved from one part of London to another, and in, in, in the housing estate, they call them, like a... Um, government housing with her mum and they leave her dad behind and she has a little brother and her mum and she's pulled out from all those things pulled away from all the things that define her that give her identity and she's at a very sort of vulnerable age she's 12 to 13 she becomes a teenager in the process of the book and so she's she become and then her little brother gets ill and her mother is absent <clears throat> and so she becomes very vulnerable and as we know a young person um, they don't have power or control, but they have a certain... Well, she's very clever because she's, she's an observer, and things start going wrong. But she has this talent. So when things start going wrong, she starts playing up. She becomes problematic. And when you're the problem, nobody wants to listen to you. So she becomes silenced, um, and she loses her voice. But what she does is that she has this gift for storytelling. So through her stories, which are often... They're very imaginative and inventive. She's trying to tell the world what's going on. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and also, she's trying to find her place. So her stories are almost like she's almost like throwing them out like a radar to see what bounces back. <laughs> and where did this idea come from? Did this come from experiences in your life, or did this come from something else? Well, um, one of the one of the central themes of the book. Um, I don't want to give the game away, but <laughs> abuse is one of the, mm-hmm. and it is a, it is a subject that. I feel profound, profoundly about. I feel incredible empathy and anger mm. because uh, it hasn't happened in my life, but I know so many people that have had this in their past. And it's just something, and quite often, usually those young people have been, they've been silenced. And in my, in my way through, a no, what a novel does is it sort of opens up questions in the minds of readers mm. and it lets you decide what what do you want to think about these things and do about these things but of course I just wanted to write a very compelling story with a very lovable character but also I wanted to say something or prompt questions in the minds mm. of readers I like that idea and mm. it's a really special difficult challenging age that tipping point I like you know the description practically 13 yeah. because I feel like you're still a child you have childlike experiences you haven't had experiences like if an adult would have but you're often dealing with very adult yeah. things in your life yeah. that you have to yes. deal with and you're just on the cusp of that adulthood but you don't have the experiences to back it up is that where some of that came from as well and you don't have control of power no that's because right the central core of this book although it's a funny book and uh and with a sort of lovable character a special character there is this whole thing of it's power mm. and about you're at an age where you've still got the sense of wonder of childhood, that big expansive imagination of a child and that wonderful, you're hungry for knowledge, for develop, your brain's developing at an incredible rate, but you don't have any power or control. You don't have, you, so things are decided for you and not necessarily in a situation like Ricky's where she should be protected. The people who should be watching her and protecting her are, not, are absent. And uh, you know, the mother is under terrible pressure, so it's not blaming the mother, but. It, circumstance in this case. Um, so yes, but one, one thing I'd like to say is I also try to capture some of the wonder of childhood, that curious mind of a child, because Ricky is very engaged by nature. She's very engaged with, she's very connected to nature. She can almost be part of nature. She blends with it and she can almost feel things growing and experience that. I don't know if that happened to you, but when I was a child or when I was a young adult, there was this huge window open to mm. them, to that wonder of nature. And she has this garden she works in. And that's where she can, um, she can let go of the burden she carries mm. in that place. And, I'm always fascinated about trauma and how that impacts people because you can take, you know, a number of different people and they'll all react differently to trauma, you know. And it is, it is common for teenagers to act out in that way because they're powerless and that's the only way they can get a voice but did you do a bit of an exploration of how you know people are impacted differently by trauma and in this case your character Ricky Bird yes well what I did is um of course as I said I, I have a lot of what can I say not experience but I have a lot of insight insight into this but also after I'd written I was getting near the, you know, nearing the end of my my first and second and third or fourth and fiftieth draft because it took me years to write this book because I had to get it right. Yeah, I love that. Important. I ran it past a friend of mine who had been a detective in Queensland working on um, child abuse mm-hmm. cases. Mm-hmm. I made sure I got that stuff right. 
and then a child psychotherapist, a friend of mine in London, and she, I ran those, I ran all that stuff past. Mm -hmm. They gave me a few tips, but basically, they loved it and they endorsed the book. So I know, I know, I've got kind of that right. Yeah. Um, and then also just understanding the mind of a child, and I suppose, you know, what I wanted to capture though, you know, a child. Had, is a, has a playful mind. They have a playful, yeah. very hungry. We mind. often lose that as adults, don't we? We tr well, as a writer, you shouldn't. No, we I should, agree. We should play. As an adult, we shouldn't. <laughs> no, because no, it's that playfulness that allows our minds to to expand yep. and to, you know, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, isn't it? and imagination is so important as well. Even as you get older, maybe more so as yes. you get older. Yes, I agree. I I love that. And you also had to add, I guess, some lightness to it because she's a lovable character yeah. and you couldn't have all the dark. So you needed to then juxtapose that with the lightness. So one of my friend in London, the psychotherapist, she said one thing she loved about the book is it's very funny. It's, there's, because so that's one of the sort of you it's she is the, is the source of humor. She's yeah. very funny because she comes out with ridiculous things. Her little brother gets ill. And when she finds out, he tells her that they're talking about something has its own blood supply. He's been in a scan and he knows what she does. So she tells him he's got a parasitic twin, for example. So she, she, um, she's, that's not that funny actually, but, but she's, she's always coming up with very funny yeah, things. Yeah. So she's the source of humor mm -hmm. and she'll get into scrapes and then she'll, she'll diffuse it by saying something absurd or something very clever. Um, but there's always a bit of absurdity mm. and, and humour in what she And there's does. optimism in that. And you said from the very yeah. beginning, beginning yeah. there was hope in your novel. That's so right. there's optimism in, in humour in overcoming those challenges that are thrown at us without any control sometimes. That's right. Because it's not just, I mean, I've, I've mentioned abuse because that is, mm. it is uh, it's, I never, Underline, it's yeah. never graphic. I don't describe anything graphically and I don't, um, I don't hammer it home because as a reader, you understand something's going on. And yep. certainly if you read from the reviews, you'll know. But I, I'm not hammering you on the head with that. Mm. It's up to you because that's the beautiful thing about novels. They're an interactive, yeah. an interactive um, format. You, you, you imagine what she looks like, mm. what she does. I give you the pointers, and it's it's your baby. That's yeah. the beautiful thing. No, about I like that about novels. art too. Once you hand it over, it's no longer just yours. No. It's everybody's who experiences Good it. Point. Yeah, I absolutely, love that. absolutely. Mm. It's a sharing thing. So every every guest that comes on my podcast, I ask them um, this single question: uh, Why do you write? Um, I write because I'm compelled to, and when I don't write. I don't feel I lose my place in the world and I don't feel well in my skin. I don't feel good about myself. I have to produce. I have to I have to I feel compelled, driven to share my view of the world or to offer it to you, the reader, for you to take on board and to, for you to do what you want with. But mm. it's that it's that it's certainly not to become rich because <laughs> It's, but it's, it's, it's that drive. But it's rich in other ways, right? There's, there are true. other richness other than money. Art for art's sake. Although I must say my publisher is fantastic, so I'm not complaining about my advance. It was great. So, um, yeah, that's why. It's, it's, a, it's a drive. It's art, really. Because I know it sounds pretentious, but if you strip it down, that's what it is. It's mm. art for art's sake. You create something. You hope of beauty. You offer it to the world. And you hope it's taken mm. in, in, in good faith. But art can never be um, undermined. And I think sometimes it is, but it's our entertainment. It's where we find truth. It's where we find comfort. You know, we find that in books or paintings or television or whatever it is, and that comforts us. And it, it, like you said, it brings you back to that kind of feeling of zero. 
That's absolutely right. And when uh, you know, I've written two books before, and I wrote them under the name of DJ Connell, and I published them in Britain, and they were published here in Australasia as well, and in France and Germany. But I, well, my first book was I had a gay main character. I had random people write to me because I wrote under DJ Connolly and mm -hmm, I was a woman mm -hmm. and tell me that it was their life I'd, I'd captured their you know that's a beautiful thing yeah, to think you've is. actually got it right you've nailed mm. it mm. but all my books take years to write <laughs> I love I'm that though or perfectionist I don't know <laughs> I'm starting to think the latter <laughs> but you know you, you the thing is you, you, you I, I want to write something that's accessible and appears easy, mm. but with layers, multiple layers, and there's always something else going on. Yeah, and you can read it in different ways depending on where you're at, your maturity, your emotional intelligence, and where you're at in life. You know, sometimes books you're not ready for them. That's you right. know, they come to you. And I hope I write with compassion. I try to. I mean, as you know, as, as we get older too, we be, I think hopefully we become less we become more, less judgmental and more compassionate. And I've had such a weird life. You know, I've lived all over the world, and so. It, bumping around in different mm. countries it teaches a hopefully it teaches you a certain compassion and tolerance and hopefully that does come across yeah well. i like the idea of non-judgmental because it's very hard to judge people when you don't know what people are living with you know right. i've known the the people who appear to be the most joyful people but are suffering with the you know most difficult mental illnesses absolutely. you know so you can i don't think you can ever judge people at face value so absolutely right and that's mm. and that's the beauty of art mm. because it's not about mm. You know, look, fair play to a lot of writers. They write books, they churn them out, and it's a, it's a, it's a business, it's work. And they're still very talented to do that. And then there's still art in that. Unfortunately, I'm just not one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, wish, I wish I was, but anyway, I can't do that. Well, I have loved chatting to you, and I'm really looking forward to getting to your book and then you know, seeing your session later on this afternoon. But it's really lovely to be here with all these creatives yeah, and talk about you know, what they're passionate about, because yeah. I feel like that's what writers are. They're really passionate about what they're writing about, and they're trying to share that with the world and you know, couple that with art, and you've got something really magic, I think, and that's what I love about yeah. books. So it's lovely to yeah, see you here, you. and um, lovely view, just a beautiful day. I couldn't ask for more and I'm looking forward to your session later in the afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you.